Welcome to episode 58 of From the Shed End podcast with myself, T-Dot, as always. Theo, how are you doing? Yeah, not bad. Um, Chelsea ruined the weekend for me, but pleased that Palace got a result against Arsenal yesterday, so can't complain too much. And it's Tuesday, one day close to the weekend, so doing good. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad, not bad. I missed, I missed a lot of, well, missed all the game yesterday, the Palace-Arsenal um, game, but, you know, Conor Gallagher doing doing the work that we should be doing. He's, he's doing it for Chelsea. So, uh, no, I'm impressed. I was impressed with, with Crystal Palace from what I've, I've, I've read about them from yesterday. But overall, yeah, happy, you know. Um, got the weekend out of the system. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. But, yeah, I'm doing well, doing well. The sun, the sun is sort of shining here as well, which is making up for the bad weather we've had for the last, like, two days. But, yeah, um, as always, guys, you can... Follow us on our socials. So if you're watching on YouTube, you should be able to see them at the top of the, the screen now. But if you're on the audio version of the podcast, um, it's from the shed end on Twitter and from the shed end with underscores between each of the words on Instagram. And of course, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. So we appreciate anyone who is already doing that. And of, of course, it's our birthdays, our one year anniversary of from the shed end, literally, I think today, or it might be the six. Yeah. It I think we, we created, we created, I think we're the fifth today. Fifth. We created our socials this time last, this day last year. We yeah, recorded yeah. our first our episode post West Brom defeat on the and 6th of April. That's so weird because I, I do. Yeah, that's, that's true. Cause it was literally after the five two. So, um, it's literally come full circle. It's almost, it's almost a, a belated birthday gift to us somehow. But um, yeah, let's get straight into it. We've mentioned it a few times already. Brentford 4-1. Um, I did a, a match review. Um, so if anyone who's listened to this, you, you'll, you'll probably have hopefully watched that on YouTube already. But Theo, just give me your thoughts on a game that should have been relatively easy for us um, in some aspects. But what was your thoughts on the game? There's a thing, there's a lot that maybe happened behind the scenes that we're not aware of. Tuchel's split from his wife maybe had an impact on him in a dressing room. Um, his tactics, potentially, we don't know that for a, you know for sure, but um, I don't think Tuchel got, got it right, potentially, on, on Saturday. I think the back four didn't work. We know that Alonso as left back, he's not as effective or as clinical as he is as a left wing back. Rudiger and Silva, they're world-class centre-backs, but they, they almost forgot how to defend on, on Saturday. And all four goals almost were carbon copies, you know, on a counter-attack and just a simple pass, whether it was to Ericsson, to, I think he's called Jan Velt, and they just, they slotted it in. Um, a lot of players that usually we can rely on were so, so poor. The defenders, like I mentioned, I don't think Ziyech was up to it on Saturday. Uh, Werner, again, very ineffective, didn't really get into the game. It was a really, really tough game to watch from a Chelsea perspective, but one we just got to kind of accept and just say, okay, you know, it was a blip. We hope it's a blip. Now we need to bounce back against Real Madrid. I mentioned it a lot, but almost a carbon copy of that West Brom game we had last season straight after the international break. We got destroyed 5-2. Then we bounced back against Porto in um, in Sevilla. We beat them 2-0. Got those two really important away goals to take to the second leg. Um, and I, I think as well, that season we won under Conte, straight after the international break, we lost 2-1 at home to Crystal Palace, if I'm not mistaken. So it seems to have this kind of this March international break where we've, we managed to build some momentum and form right before it. All of a sudden, those players may be going to Brazil, going to the US, traveling across Europe, them coming back to Cobham. Maybe, I don't know if it's complacency, if it's fatigue, if it's you know not training enough as a group again, but they almost seem to just get too complacent for that first game of the April period. 
and, and you, you can't get complacent in the Premier League because teams like West Brom, teams like Brentford will capitalise and you know take 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 advantage of it and and, and get the three points like they did on Saturday. Um, but no credit to Brentford; they took their four chances and they were the better team on on the evening. But um, just really disappointing to watch. Like I said, it's almost like we forgot how to defend and we weren't clinical enough um, with the chances that we did create. It, the only goal came from a Rudiger long-range rocket, which was coming. It was coming. <laughs> it was coming. Yeah, it's um, yeah. You, I mean, I agree with everything you said. You know, I think it was um, it was definitely difficult to watch. You you know, you you almost felt Brentford were going to score every time they they attacked on the counter attack, or you know, I think it was the other time they did do the long ball, and it, it did it it you know threw us off a little bit. And I do think going to a back four. Um, I mean, I, I I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm in favour of it if you've got the right players to play in there. And I do think Alonso works better in a left wing back position as a, as opposed to a left back. Um, you know, isolates him being able to go forward as much. I, I potentially would put maybe Aspiaqueta there, maybe put Reese James. I know he was on the bench, and I, I always say this. You know, if you're if you're fit enough to be on the bench, surely you're fit enough to start the game. Um, maybe Melangsaw at left back. We've seen him do it before. Sal Niguez can play that role sometimes as well. So I, I just think, and I'm it's not a criticism of Alonso because I think, you know, we could pinpoint, you know, you've just said Rudiger, Thiago Silva, um, ZH, they weren't at it on, on, on the day. So it's not to pinpoint Alonso, but I just think in that system, I don't think it works. And it, I don't know where, I don't know. I don't know whether it was to match um, Brentford, whether it was to, to, I think Real Madrid might play with a back four, I think. So was it to sort of test a back four to see, is that what he's, I, I don't know. And I think it's one of the first times under Thomas Tuchel that I really questioned his his ideas, his, his tactics. He's still the man for the job for me. He's still the person that I want to see lead us to, you know, many trophies over the next couple of years. But I, I, Saturday, I did sit down and think he definitely got that wrong completely. Um, it, you know, it wasn't right. But um, it's difficult because I think the Rudiger goal, you, you kind of expect us to kick on from that. And I mean, it was a brilliant goal. It's, it's one of the, like you said, you know, how many, how many years, how many seasons has he been trying that? He got it. And then it was just, I don't even think I finished celebrating. I think I was still celebrating the goal, you know, sat back down and then to see the, yeah. the goal go in. But it was defensively schoolboyish. It was very schoolboyish defensively. Um, you know, I, I put it down to a, a day off, uh, you know, a blip in, in, in the calendar. First defeat, I think, since Man City in the mm -hmm. league, January. So, yeah, it seems bad on, you know, the result is bad. But in terms of the form, in terms of how many losses, etc. Is it really that bad? It, I don't think so. In the grander scheme of things, you know, you talk about West Brom, um, the 5-2. No one remembers that really because we went on to win the Champions League. We got to the FA Cup final. Uh, we should have won that, by the way, but we got to the FA Cup final. Um, we went on to win the Champions League. We then kick on and win the Club World Cup afterwards. So it, it hurts now. But, in you know, if we go on to win some more silverware, is it really that bad that we lost to? And Brentford aren't a bad team. I think you know. We, I think we. I think we. Say we. I think Tuchel um, didn't take them as serious as he should have done. I think you look at the team. Werner, who we know is out of form, hasn't really been doing it for Chelsea. Um, that whole left side was just. I just. I didn't. I didn't understand it. I really didn't. But um, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on Werner because. I think during the international break, there was, I don't know if it was an interview or some sort of comments that he made, but he did say he was willing to move away from Chelsea and go to maybe the Bundesliga again. Um, what, what was your thoughts? Would you take a, a a loss on Werner, which I think we would have to in terms of the fee that we'd get for him? Um, would you take a loss on Werner? I mean, 
Firstly, I don't think it's surprising to hear comments like that, that he's, he enjoys playing for the national team. Um, I think Luke Shaw said something similar when it came to playing with England compared to Manchester United. You have these certain players that maybe when they get a break from club football and go back to their nation and they get to play with a manager who, you know, values them. I don't, I'm sure Tuchel does value Werner, but maybe not as much as, um, I think it's, um, is it Hansi Flick? I think it is yes. Hansi, Hansi Flick. Um, I'm not I'm not that surprised. And the same with Luke Shaw, you know, the atmosphere at Manchester United in dressing is probably a bit toxic right now. It seems yeah. to be very split with who they want as the next manager, whether they back Ragnick or not. So um, I'm not surprised by Werner's comments. And I do, I think he's a player that Chelsea fans have never turned on. They've always supported him. They've always chanted his name. They always love him. They can tell that he's trying his best, but sometimes you just have to admit things haven't worked out. They haven't worked out. It's been a year and a half now, over a year and a half. And has he really improved since we signed him from Leipzig? I don't think so. If anything, things have still maybe even gotten worse. I think he's declined. Yeah, yeah, declined. So um, sometimes you just got to ha- hold your hand up and say it hasn't worked out and you've got to cut your losses. And I don't think we'll recoup as much as I think 50 million we paid for him to get him from Leipzig. We'll be lucky to maybe to get 30, 35 but um, he's the type of player that no matter where he goes, whether it's Serie A, back to the Bundesliga, as a Chelsea fan, you'll want him to thrive because he is a good player when he's playing on a, um, you know, well on his day. And um, he is a, you can tell that he needs to maybe just go and enjoy his football elsewhere. I don't know if that will be a permanent move or a loan, but um, we're going to talk about him in a bit. I'm sure But Conor Gallagher is a player that's going to be coming in to the Chelsea team next season, hopefully maybe even Armando Broja. And that means that... Um, there'll be more competition for a starting place in the lineup and that could come at the expense of Timo Werner. So like I've said many times, if a player does get sold this summer, forget about the Kennedys, the Ross Barkleys. I think Timo Werner will be the first name on that list. I'd have to agree. I just just think it hasn't worked out. I think it's, um, and you're right, you know, don't think the fans have ever really, I mean, they've, they've, They've had a moan. I've had my moan, so I'm sure other Chelsea fans have as well. But we've always backed him. We've always reassured ourselves that he will, you know, um, the, show what he's capable of doing um, in the role that he's expected to play at the club. But it just doesn't seem to have happened, whether that's confidence, whether it's just understanding what Tuchel's expecting from from Werner. It just, something hasn't worked. And, you know, I think the best option for Chelsea, maybe for Werner as well, uh, which kind of leaves the door open for him, is to go out and get, alone somewhere else maybe you know come back you look at um i'm thinking you know courtois you know i think he when he went on loan as well um you know you got to think are, are these players really do they really want to be at chelsea or do they want to be elsewhere and i think that's a decision that comes from Werner. so i wanted to talk about ruben loftus cheek because i was i mean i was critical of thinking my players ratings um about Ruben Loftus-Cheek and I kind of still feel like this but you look at the other graduates from that sort of core group you look at you know Mason Mount, Reese James, um, Tomori, you know Tammy Abraham the list that goes on and on all these players even maybe a Conor Gallagher I feel like Ruben Loftus-Cheek is one of these players that, and I'd probably put Callum Hudson-Odoi alongside Ruben Loftus-Cheek but they're two players that just aren't going to develop anymore they've almost hit the ceiling they need to move on. And I feel like, and that's, it's, it's horrible to say that about Ruben Loftus-Cheek because he does show you that one game in eight or 10, however many times he gets to start a game, but he does give you that one game where he looks like he's, he's kind of showing signs, but against Brentford, he was just, again, he was playing a bit deeper. He was playing defensive mid, I think. So a bit deeper, but do you think Ruben Loftus-Cheek's time at Chelsea is up? 
Um, I'm actually quite I'm in disagreement with you here. I thought he had a decent game against Brentford. I thought okay. um, the only reason that we're pointing the finger to him, like many of the other players, is we lost 4-1. But his individual performance at times, like you just said, he does show glimpses of promise. He does drive the ball up the pitch. He does take players on. And I thought he was kind of the one player that, you know, seemed like he he, he, he merited a, a start in the next, for the next game. And I thought he was decent. But the problem is with those two players you listed, the hudson Doys and the Loftus-Cheeks, is consistency. And they, they, they play well for one game like Hudson-Odoi did, I think, during that November period when he got, I think, six or seven games in a row. And then they just drop off or they get injured or they're kind of in and out of the team. But um, they're two players that, as Chelsea Academy graduates, you want them to thrive, you want them to do well. But like compared to all those other names you listed, it maybe hasn't worked out as well. Uh, I, I've said it before, Hudson-Odoi could have really benefited from a loan maybe when he really broke first broke into the team Loftus Cheek had those two loans, but really struggled with that long-term injury. I think to his um, ACL, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, and then again, I don't think the system suits Loftus Cheek. He's playing in a very deep role. Play him as a number eight. Play him as a number ten. But don't play him, you know, alongside a Jorginho, a Kante, a Kovacic. Um, I'd love to see him higher up the pitch and really show what he's capable of doing when he get you know actually bust into the penalty box. And I think it's that game against Juventus at home. We won four 0 He did get into the penalty box. Mm. And he was just dribbling past players, shielding the ball so well. So um, there is a side to me that does want to see him maybe play in a different system or a different position. But um, it's a tricky one because, like you said, we really want them to do well, but you know, he hasn't really worked out as well this season, at least for them. Yeah, because I mean, I think he's, I think he's twenty six. Mm. So we're talking peak peak years. He should be. He should for me. He should be more involved in the first team. He should be. You know, look at. Conor Gallagher, okay, I'll bring him up again, but oh, Mason Mount, you look at these players that he's he's been around at some point, um, even players that are younger than him, you know, are now playing, you know, in the Premier League, albeit on loan. Um, but I just think even in the system where he's he's further afield, he's further up the pitch, he just, he's just, I, I, I don't know. I think he's, I think for me, I've, I think I've just come to the conclusion that when we see Ruben Loftus-Cheek play the way we did against, you know, Juventus is a good example because I think he did do really well. I think he was one of the best players that night as well. Um, he does, he, you know, he's got it in him, but I just don't know if he's able to do that consistently at Chelsea. And also as well, you don't want to lose out on another player. You know, we mentioned Colin Gallagher. We've still got Billy Gilmore to think about these sort of players that we want to see in the, the senior squad. Um, we don't, I, I, personally, for me, I wouldn't want to see Ruben Loftus-Cheek doing those sort of ad hoc you know performances coming coming in a, a game and then sitting out three four five games and then coming in putting in a half-hearted performance but then putting in another brilliant shift a few games later uh, you need that consistency and if we're not getting that I just don't I don't see his his time at Chelsea anymore I just think you know 26 he should be sort of at a level where not that you're the first name on the team sheet but at least in contention to be on the team sheet you know and I just I just for him and I think for him more than anything you know I'd rather see him go elsewhere and get the best that's a, a club get the best out of him I just don't think we're doing that maybe you're right maybe it is a system thing but I just don't think we are as, as Chelsea getting the best out of Ruben Loftus-Cheek and you know before you know it, he's going to be 30 you know <laughs> where's his where's his career going to be is he still going to be coming off the bench and playing 20 minutes here 15 minutes there starting the odd game does, does yeah. he want that or does he want to try and, you know, go even go down to the championship for, you know, somewhere, you know, do something there? I don't know. But I'm, I'm just. Uh, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to be selfish because as things stands, we, we can't sign any players in the summer. We don't know sure. if that's going to change anytime soon. We're going to want to 
build around this squad rather than get rid of three or four players and only be able to bring in players that have been out on loan or academy graduates. I wouldn't be surprised if Ross Barkley or Kennedy, or maybe we don't sign Sal and, um, and maybe a player like uh, Werner ends up leaving. But um, but Loftus-Cheek is one of those players that we could really benefit from next season. If he does get that consistent game time I mentioned, he does play in that position that he favours. And next season is going to be as bad as this season. Mm. With the World Cup crammed in, you know, in between that um, December period, injuries, congested fixtures, it's going to be bad. And we're going to need him for those League Cup fixtures, those Champions League group stage ones, and to come you know, play the odd game there and here. So... Um, I think it's a player that I'd like to see stay for one more season and just, like I said, be played in that favoured position, get that consistent gay time. But at the same time, if we bring in someone like Gallagher, who will be competing with Loftus-Cheek for in that kind of position he plays, it does spell kind of curtains for him. So I'm very, mm. very 50-50 about the Loftus-Cheek situation. We'll have to see. I mean, mm. I, I get your point. I think, you know, if, if we can't, if we can't buy, then it does narrow and, you know, minimise who you want to try and get rid of. And, I do get that he's sort of a player that you want to play in the early stages in the Champions League or in the FA Cup, League Cup. But is that what he wants, I suppose? Does he want to be known as the guy that just plays the, the FA Cup games? Or, you know, I think he's I think he's better than that. And I think that's what, I think he can go on and give himself a, a decent career somewhere else. And if it's not at Chelsea, then fair enough. But I'd, I'd love to see a fully, you know, fully fit, full season, almost when he was at um, Palace. Mm. When he's at Crystal Palace, I thought he'd done. I'm, I'm, was it Fulham? He went to Fulham as well. I thought yeah. he'd done. He'd done okay, but I think Fulham was the wrong team because I think they were kind of down and out anyway. Yeah, they were, You know, it was probably the wrong time to go to Fulham. But you know, when he was at Palace, he done well. He, he looked. He looked a more complete player for me. And yeah. I've, I've said it. Count, I've said it countless times on this this podcast that sorry season when he was played in his preferred position, he excelled. Mm. I think he was our second highest goal scorer in the Europa League. I'm, I'm not, don't don't quote no, me on that. He got he done well. But he, he did get, really he well in the Euro- Yeah, he got a hat trick against them. Mm. Um, Bati Borisov. Yep. He scored some crackers against. Um, I think it was Brighton at home. He was a brilliant player. Scored against Cardiff away, and um, I think Sarri even wanted to take him to Lazio at one point. So, um, so you know, this I feel like he needs that kind of system, that manager that trusts him fully, and that preferred position for him to really excel because he's more of a goal scoring midfield for me than a defensive midfielder. And right now, where Tuchel plays him, because maybe because of his build and his his physique, he plays alongside a Jorginho, a Kante, and Kovacic. But like I said, very fifty fifty about the situation. We'll have to see. Yep, I agree. Let's let's move on to the race for top four, which. Um... <sighs> I mean, Arsenal done us a favour yesterday. Let's 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 start with that one. Um, losing to Palace, but it's still tight. I mean, you look at. I mean, even. I mean, I'd go as far as maybe, maybe Wolves. You know, you look at Wolves. I know they've played a game extra. Um, well, two games extra than we have. But you look at Wolves. You know, eighth to to third. It's it's too tight to call, in my opinion. What do, what do you think? It's so tight. It really is tight. You start to look at game in hand, which teams play which teams. We still have to play Wolves at home, United away, West yeah. Ham at home and Arsenal at home, which are four teams, you know, in that bracket of teams you mentioned. So the results against those teams are going to be so important to us staying in the top four. And I, when I say staying in the top four, I want to say third. <laughs> I mean, the embarrassment on Twitter and on, amongst, you know, our friend groups, if a team like Tottenham or Arsenal finish above us, it'll be hard to take, really, really hard to take. So it's, these teams are really breathing, you know, behind, uh, down our shoulders and our backs. So um, I think we just got to 
win our games. That's all we can do. And it didn't start off well on Saturday, but we've got Southampton away next Saturday, which or this Saturday at least, which is going to be a big one as well to regain some momentum and bounce back from the Premier League defeat. But um, I'm nervous. I'm not going to lie, I am nervous. I had kind of would have loved to maybe have that extra four or five point cushion on Tottenham or Arsenal. But we made things hard for ourselves like we always have been Chelsea fans. So we're just going to have to win every single game or try to win every single game and get a couple of draws maybe against those teams that are hovering around us. But it's going to be tough. What are your thoughts? I think I think the same. You know, I think you can only beat what's in front of you. Um, I think there are some really tough games, not just for us. I think there's still a North London derby. I think that's on May the twelfth now, so that's a big game. Um, you know, I know. I, I think Arsenal's run is is it's pretty bad. I think I think it's Arsenal Tottenham. I can't remember. One of them have got some tough fixtures um, in there as well. But I think, I mean, it's tight. I mean, and and realistically from where we were you know a couple of months ago we shouldn't even be in a position where we're, we're we're talking about you know are we going to finish third fourth or not even get a champions we shouldn't be in that position we, we find ourselves here but I, I just think we're in the driving seat at the moment um big game on uh, you know against Southampton coming up we have to we, we can't afford to to drop any points um yes we've got a small cushion but I agree with you you know even a six point cushion is is nice but it's it's too close to call in my opinion. I think the North North London derby will be will be massive. I think that'll be the game that kind of decides who's going to get fourth or, or, or out of those two teams who's going to make it into that sort of top four for me. But you can't rule out Wolves. I, I look at Wolves. You know they're only what five, four or five points off off you know a, a European nearly champion Champions League place, and I think there's going to be a dark horse that comes in whether it's West Ham or whether it's Wolves. Um, I look at United and I don't think, you know, I don't think, not not to disrespect them, I just don't think they're a team. They've got some really good players, I just don't think they're a team, so I don't think they they will. But yeah, we can't afford if we're going to be honest, we can't afford for Tottenham or Arsenal to be above us at the end of the season, and I think that's what it comes down to. Whether whether we finish you know, um, third and we called we right off this season, then great, but we just can't afford for Tottenham or Arsenal to be above us. And, and that's, that's just me being, being honest. Like you said, you know, the WhatsApp groups and, and internet will be in a meltdown that day. So we, we can't afford for that to happen. Yeah. They'll celebrate finishing above us. Like it's a trophy. A trophy. So we can't, we can't afford that, but no, really, really tough games for us as well. We've got United away. We haven't won at, at Old Trafford since May, 2013 which is, you know, it's a tricky ground. It's been a tricky ground for us. Leicester at home is another one we haven't spoken about mm. for us. Goodison away. I mean, oh, Everton away, even though they're, the even though that they're, they're, they're abysmal right now, Everton, you just know. Oh, they'll we, turn we, up for us. They'll turn up when we, we go there. Like, like they almost, they kind of turned up when we played them at Stamford Bridge. Yep. Yeah. Crystal awesome Palace game. FA Cup yeah. semi-final as well. They look like a really good team at the moment. I'm not so yeah, confident yeah. about that one anymore. Even West Ham, you know, I know. Even West Ham, yeah. West Ham is a, is a very. I mean, these are these are these two games here are going to be crucial. You look at the Arsenal game, you look at the West Ham game. We drop six points there. We may as well forget about Champions League because they're six points already. So we we'll just have to just... win the Champions League to qualify. <laughs> yeah, do it, do it the hard way. But um, the hard no, way. I, I think you know it, it's it is going to come to the. It, it might come to the final wire, the final game. Luckily for us, this is going to come back to haunt me, I know. But luckily for us, we've got Watford on the last game of the season. You should expect us to beat Watford, but 
they may be relegated by then as well. So it just takes me back to the Aston Villa game. <laughs> so we should beat Watford, but we never Gareth Bayard, Gareth Bayard. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, that was it. But um, let, let's talk about five subs, which is the announcement that came out early this week that from next season, there will be five subs introduced into the Premier League, which is what something has been, you know, I think a lot of the, the top Premier League managers, fans, pundits across the country have been, been calling for. I think some of the other European, I think Italy, maybe even Spain, currently still do that anyway. Um, what's your thoughts on, on the five subs? I'm all, I'm, I'm all for it. Maybe I'm all for it because I'm a Chelsea fan like yourself and we've got so much quality that can come off Not the bench and, and, you know, such such you know amazing squad depth. But it's currently in place in the Champions League. Um, we're allowed five subs in, in European competitions. Like you said, I think other leagues, they have an unlimited amount of players on the bench and they're allowed five subs as well. So you do wonder why not England, especially a competition that's congested with fixtures, doesn't have a winter break like they do. We're going to have the World Cup next season, so more, and more, more and more injuries, and just back going back to the point of you know why we should keep Loftus cheek. You know he's a player that if we do have five subs could really benefit from more game time. Same with you know, players like Conor Gallagher, Billy Gilmore, who will potentially be in the squad next season. We'll be seeing seeing more youth coming off the bench. I think not just for Chelsea but other teams. It's an opportunity for teams to to really showcase what they can offer off the bench. Maybe it won't favour teams like Burnley, Watford and those teams as much. But um, as a Chelsea fan, it may be a bit selfish, but I'm all for it. I think it will favour us. Uh, we're one of those fortunate squads more than I think of maybe a City because you look at City's bench, I don't think it's as strong as ours, if I'm honest. The starting eleven's amazing. But then you have the likes of, you know, a quality centre-back player like Zinchenko off the bench. Nathan Ake. Nathan Ake, exactly. Whereas we have, you know, Pulisic, Kovacic, these type of players that could come off the bench and really impact the game. But uh, I think five five subs it'll be it'll be good i think it'll really benefit us and hopefully um i say benefit us but it will benefit the bigger teams but um it's needed just to prevent injuries as well yeah no i, I think I, I agree with everything you said you know i think it it gives opportunity for some of the, the the youngsters we've got a really good youth set up and i think um it just gives them an opportunity and you think as well sometimes you you know you you do want to potentially rest a couple of your players you want to start them but maybe bring them off and it just gives it you know gives managers the option to to do a bit more with the squad um i think it will impact the game slightly i think like you mentioned that there's clubs that have got smaller smaller teams or less um quality players to bring on but that's that's <laughs> that's just the way the cookie crumbles so um you know i, I think it's going to benefit us in terms of Chelsea, the bigger teams, but uh, you know, I'm all for it, you know, and I think, I think it gives, it hopefully will reduce injuries as well. I think that'll be a big thing. Mm. You know, you, you think about some of the times you've had to potentially play a player knowing that they're not fully fit um, or, you know, you just, it's going to reduce, I think it's going to reduce injuries. You, you'll, you'll have the opportunity to rest a lot more players um, and also bring on some quality players, maybe from the youth setup as well, like you said, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, I think it's well well overdue as well. I'm not sure why it's taken so long for it to come in, but at least it's here. Um, and like you said, the World Cup, I think, is going to be massive as well. You know, the fact that we've got it broken up in, in the season, um, it can only be a, you know, can only be a bonus, can only be a plus. Yeah. And like you, I think you mentioned as well, we're seeing so many teams now having to finish the game with 10 men because players, players getting injured. If you have that fourth and fifth sub, it can prevent that. You can finish a game with 11 players on the pitch rather than be forced to take a player off. So um, really, kind of just to back your points, it will prevent injuries for sure. Yep, I agree. Let, let's let's turn our attention to tomorrow. 
big game, big smile on Theo's face if, you, if you're watching on the audio version of the podcast. I think that's because he's going to the game and I know yeah. he's excited to see Real Madrid. Um, but give me your initial thoughts. I've got my predicted lineup I want to quickly go through. Um, but give me your initial thoughts on, on the game um, and obviously being at Stamford Bridge to see Real Madrid. I'm so excited. I'm honestly so excited. I grew up watching Chelsea and Real Madrid. I, it's a, a very different Real Madrid team now, but you know, the likes of Figo, Zidane, Zidane Ronaldo, uh, Ronaldo, original Roberto Ronaldo, Carlos. Roberto Carlos Casillas was an idol of mine. Yeah. And that's the original Galacticos. I think I even said when we recorded the podcast in the preview of when we played them last season, I said, this is the type of game I'd have dreamt to be at Stamford Bridge and watched. And this season I'm getting that opportunity. So, um, <laughs> I'm excited, but I'm also obviously nervous. They've got Benzema, who's back on back fit. Now he scored two at the weekend. But um, it's going to be one of those games that, you know, the fans can really make the difference in it. This is why we're so fortunate to have, I mean, I say fortunate, but it makes sense for us to have our fans for the Champions League games. We should have never had that a problem of not having fans um, attend games with the sanctions. But um, it will be so, so important. No away goals as well. So we'll hopefully want to, to have a comfortable cushion to take with us to the to the Bernabeu, which is only next week. There's only one week between the two games, so we'll find out uh, next Wednesday or next Tuesday evening who's the team that will be through and I'll be on a plane, which is not what I want. <laughs> I'm going to try to pay for Wi-Fi. I was um, about to say, the there'll plane. be Wi-Fi. Yeah. You'll be all right. I hope so. Oh, I'll pay for it <laughs> if, uh, if, I, if needed. But um, no, I'm really excited, but at the same time, I am nervous and I'm quite excited to see your predicted 11, see if yeah, I'm in agreement. Really- yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think. I mean, you know, I think it's. I think one key thing, um, which I read this morning, is Carlo Ancelotti still hasn't um, tested negative for COVID, so okay. he's he's currently not with the squad, but he's expected to take another PCR test. I think today, or in the morning. I think I can't remember. It's, it's going to take one in the next twenty four hours, and hopefully meet up with the squad. But if he's not there, I do think that that will play slightly into our favour. I think it will, you know, just not having a manager there can sometimes impact just how the team plays on, on the day. Um, I think back to the game, I think it was in the Club World Cup, Al-Hilal. Yeah, we didn't have Tuchel, did we? We didn't have Tuchel. And yes, we won, but it was a very sort of weird mm. performance, if you remember. And yeah. I think just not having your manager there, not having a gaffer there, sometimes it just plays mentally into the players' minds. Um, Villa, Villa away, they didn't have Gerard when we played them. And that I think was it, yeah. They look yeah. quite poor, especially in that second half. So it does yeah. have an impact, you're right. Yeah, so I think just if he's not there, I mean, I don't want, I don't want to wish COVID on anyone, but if he's not there, then it kind of works in our favour slightly. Home advantage as well, I think that's going to be uh, really important. I think having the fans in the, in the stadium making as much noise um, as possible is going to help as well, especially after the, you know, the weekends, you know, defeat to Brentford. Um, there's going to be a lot of players that want to try and get that out of their system and just try and kick on with the season. But I'm not going to keep you in suspense anymore, Theo. I'm going to show you my predicted lineup. I think it's self-explanatory, to be honest. I don't think there's anything really, in my opinion, um, that I would change in, in here. Um, hopefully you can see this. It looks a bit small, but um, just for anyone who's listening on the audio podcast, I've gone for, for Mendy and Goal. I've gone for the usual sort of uh, defence line for me, you know, Reese James right wing back. I have gone for Aspiaqueta in centre-back role. Um, I think that'll be crucial. Um, I'll explain why shortly. I've gone for Thiago Silva, Rudiger, and uh, made up as well with Alonso at left wing back. I've gone for Kante and Kovacic in midfield and Pulisic, Havertz and Mount as a front three. So I'm going to stop and let Theo dissect my predicted lineup. What do you think, Theo? 
I'd have to agree with all uh, all eleven of those players, except for maybe one, which is Jorginho over Kovacic potentially. Okay. okay. I do think these are the type of games where Jorginho does excel in and really shows what he's capable of doing. And if we remember all those knockout games last season when Kovacic was injured, I think mm. both the Real Madrid legs and both the Porto legs, if I'm not mistaken, I think Jorginho played them. And um, he's a, you know, he's, I say all the time, he sets the tempo in that midfield. He's very, very cool and composed. And then having that option to bring Kovacic off the bench in that second half to just bring a bit more energy and charisma to that midfield would be really, really valuable. Um, yeah. I was reading, I'm not sure if it was reli- from a reliable source, but Mendy's hasn't trained for the last two, three days. That doesn't surprise me because if you, which we didn't mention, but if you notice, and this is why I wasn't really critical of Mendy mm. um, in Brentford. I think he definitely is right. I think he's right knee. He took a, a, a knock anyway. And I think during the Christian Eriksen goal, he took a second knock. So I think there's something wrong with, I think there might be a slight injury. So mm. Now you've said that, it does jog, jog my memory. But I think even if Mendy's not fit, you know, we, we've, we've spoken in depth about Kepa and, and the performances that he's put in so far under Tuchel. Um, you know, I wouldn't be too disheartened to, to not see Mendy and Kepa in goal because I think we know what Kepa is capable of doing in goal. No, but I agree. I think Kepa or Mendy, um, hopefully it'll be, it'll be a comfortable watch for us. I do feel a bit more confident when, when Mendy does play, but just a tiny bit more. Um, now that Kepa's has really improved this season, front three of Mount Havertz and Pulisic, I'd agree there. I'd definitely agree, and that gives us the option to bring players like Werner, Ziyech, and Lukaku Gosh. off the bench. But um, I think the most important thing about this formation is just having that back three of the wing backs. We can't be playing a back four again and, and allowing ourselves to maybe be exposed to some leaks or risks like we did against Brentford. Yeah, and I mean it'd be it'd be, it'd be good, you know, because I think like I was saying before, you know, Alonso, you see him sort of getting into this sort of role so much in the left wing back. Whereas on Saturday, he was just very reserved to go forward expectedly in the back mm. four. But, in a, in, you know, you see him get into these kind of positions here. Same with Reese James. You know, the overlap. Mount plays slightly closer to Havertz. Pulisic does the same. Gives all this space here for mm. your left wing backs, you know. to, to And if you think back to the, the, the two games last season, we did actually run Real Madrid ragged, I would say. Mm to an extent, you know, and I think, I think we can do the same. The reason I went with Kovacic is because I, I do like the fact that Kovacic for me does more in this area here, mm. you know, and I think if he's here and you've got Kante sort of here, um, it, it kind of just, it, yes, it kind of allows, again, Alonso to to do that. It allows Kante to come here. It just, it, for me, it just works a bit better. When you've got Jorginho and, and um, Kante, it, it, you do, again, lose some of that creative creativeness in the midfield um but I do get your point you know I think going back to the, the two games last se- uh, last season I think Jorginho was brilliant probably arguably one of the, the best players on the pitch in both those games um so yeah I mean it's it's a tricky one it's one of those ones who do you leave out but um you know I, I potentially would have gone for Kovacic there Pulisic is a, a good one to talk about as well because he he didn't I think he got a private jet chartered for him to come back from America um due to the timeness of when America played in their internationals, but he didn't feature on Saturday, um, which was strange because why would you get a private jet to rush him back to, to not play him was, on Saturday? Was it on the bench either? I feel, was he, he wasn't on the bench either. He wasn't, he wasn't in the match day squad. So I'm not sure why, but anyway, m- my point is he should be fully rested. Um, nice recovery, you know, a couple of days to sort of just 
get embed back into the team and get back into training. So I'd expect Pulisic to, to if not start, definitely play a part in, in the game tomorrow. But um, Havertz, I'm expecting some good things. You know, I thought he had a really good game Saturday. Um, but yeah, you know, playing him back in that sort of number nine role, I think will 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 play to his strengths as well. But yeah, you know, I think I think um, with that formation, that team, I would expect us to get a win. I don't think it'd be a you know a comfortable game. I think it'd be I'll gladly take a one nil, you know, two nil. Um, I'm going to ask you your predictions. Actually, what what, what was your your thoughts on a prediction? Originally, I was going to go for a one-one draw. Originally, yeah. and that's what I predicted on the app. I think, but now having heard you talk about that front three and what could be, I think if we get get it right with the fluidity of that front three of Pulisic, Mount, and Havertz, and able to create those pockets of space in between those Real Madrid defenders, who, if I'm completely honest, aren't the most agile of defenders. Yeah. Militao, Alabanao, um, I don't know who else we could be seeing. Maybe Carvajal, who's kind of on the wrong side of thirty now. Um, I think we could maybe have a replica of those games we saw last season where we had so many kind of chances yeah. in, in their penalty box and we really we really threatened Thibaut Courtois and the Real Madrid goal. Um, I, I'm just having to just hype myself up that I might go with that extra goal for Chelsea. So I'm going to go with 2-1, but I, it might come to to bite me again because just how poor we were again on Saturday and we just can't allow ourselves to be like that again. But hopefully the back three will, will solve that issue. So let me let me be confident and say two one. I think I think with the back five, back three, you know the, the two mm. uh, win backs. I think it's going to be a lot more, not a lot more, but it's going to be more comfortable than watching um, the game on Saturday. I think we'll be a bit more comfortable. Um, like I said, it allows Reese James or whoever you know Reese James Alonso to get forward a bit more. It just provides that extra cover at the back as well. And one thing we do have to do is definitely keep Benzema quiet as, as much as possible. I think, you know, give him a chance, he's going to take it. So ultimate ultimate aim is to to, to keep um, Benzema and Modric as well, if Modric please. Mm. Um, you know, Modric is a, you know, for me, he's one of the, it's still world-class. I still put him in that yeah. sort of world-class Chris, territory. Chris Modric, they're the, they're the creative hubs for, for Real yeah. Madrid. Great passing, yeah. um, accuracy. Vinicius is another one potentially alongside Benzema could really threaten. Mm. But uh, I think Benzema is the main threat, like you said. If it yeah. wasn't for Mendy's heroics last season, he could have easily scored a couple more. Um, and we saw how they dismantled PSG as well. So, you know... <laughs> it was Brentford-esque in a way, three goals <laughs> in, in the space of 10 minutes. Yeah, no, it was. We can't, we can't afford for that to happen. And I, I think, you know, Tuchel will, um, will definitely be aware of that you know he won't, he won't want to have a repli- replica you know of that again from Saturday so um, I'm going to go 2-0 I'm going to stick with my 2-0 um, I'd love it to be 2-0 so we can go to the you know the second leg next week and just be a bit more comfortable going into the game have a bit more um, you know hold our chest high you know and, and be be proud to, to go out there with the 2-0 rather than chasing the game you know I hate, I hate watching games where we're chasing you know, um, the game and we're having to try and get a grab an early goal. I'd rather just get the 2-0 and, and be comfortable and, yeah. and potentially not really for, try for the third in, in the second leg, you know, mm-hmm. take what we've got to 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 uh, the Bernabeu and let Real Madrid bring it to us instead. Yeah, and then we can focus on that semi-final against Palace and I can have a comfortable plane journey you know, we've got a 2-0 cushion as well well we say comfortable but it's, it's, it's Real Madrid so. it's never comfortable with Chelsea to be fair and yeah it's a very good point it's a very good point but um, of course 
guys, if, as I said at the start of this, if you are listening on the audio podcast, um, we have our socials that you can follow. There will be in the link in the description as well on the podcast. So you can just click one of those links. It should take you straight to the social accounts. But if you haven't already, please subscribe to the channel. Um, we appreciate everyone who, who has already done that as well. 5,000 followers on Instagram, 5,000 plus on, on Instagram. Um, so yeah, Theo, Theo's hard work that he's doing on there um, as well. Twitter as well. Make sure you get the Twitter. We're nearly at a thousand on Twitter. So we appreciate that as well. Um, and again, if you're listen, watching on YouTube, make sure you go and listen to the audio podcast, um, Apple, Spotify, all of the podcast streaming outlets as well. But Theo, as always, thank you very much for joining me on our birthday anniversary of From the Shed Ends. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And yeah one year from the shed end it's really flown by and we've has gone really quick hasn't it yeah we've, we've had some good moments there champions league club world cup we've had some downs as well we've, we've had a lot of downs <laughs> um, i think back to our leicester leicester episode where uh we had jack jack from leicester fan tv yeah. on and it was that was probably the worst one we've well for me it's one of the worst ones that i think i've done yeah i mean deep down i had a bit of a smile on my face knowing we were in a champions league final I think the following weekend, mm. but um, but no, it was tough to take. I was at Wembley that day, um, just like I was at Wembley during the League Cup final a month ago. So we've had oh, some downs, yeah. like yeah. you said, but um, I think Champions League final, Champions League victory in the in the final. That's the kind of main highlight of it. What, what FA Cup? Who Leicester? What, what FA Leicester? Cup? <laughs> Champions yeah. of the world as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But um, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. It's been episode fifty-eight of From the Shed End podcast. Until next week, stay safe and thanks very much for listening or watching. Thank you. <laughs>